I'm E. I'm Rob. I'm still tipped up. Welcome to the next movement, folks. Still Tip Dove, a.k.a. Dove. Thanks so much for joining us. Really appreciate it. Yeah, happy to be here. Thank you. Yeah, definitely. So there's a lot we want to talk to you about tonight, but I thought we could kick off the conversation with All the Weight Feathers Don't Have, which is a recent project you released. And for me, the title says it all, right? The album's foundation is this bed of melodic light sounds, and there's this ease that you immediately feel when the project starts that's carried throughout its entirety. Even on the tracks where rappers are delivering verses with a lot of energy, the production doesn't feel really heavy. And then you have these instrumental tracks in between the ones that feature the artists you're working with on this project. And they have titles such as a recess, break, a hiatus, so I, I quickly sensed the theme here. And so I'm wondering about the intentionality behind the album structure. Did you organize it in such a way to serve as a reminder to yourself and maybe others to just slow down and take a breath, even when there's work to be done and to be present in the moment when there's so much going on around you? Um, no, I wish I was that poetic and, and had <laughs> been have been that intentional about the choice of that yeah. structure. But uh, I'll just be honest and say no. That, yeah. But that's a beautiful sentiment, and I I appreciate it. If it if it did that, that's awesome. But um, it was more so like, <laughs> you know what? It was honestly born out of not wanting to get like eight more features. <laughs> like uh, that 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 album um, was a follow-up to an instrumental project that i did there's a little story behind it um okay all the sample source materials from this one guy named buddy ross who made soul and jazz rock music in the 60s and 70s in philly and he gave the actual tapes to darko the super mm. the actual tape wow wow and so that darko could digitize it so darko had the stems from the actual sessions, which is unheard of. Yeah. You yeah. don't actually ever get to sample from stems, like the isolated guitar, the isolated piano, the isolated vocals. Unheard of. Gigabytes worth of material. So I, I made this beat tape uh, with Bud Ross and put that out in like 2018. There were no artists on that. And I'd always planned on following it up and putting artists on those beats and maybe making new ones out of the source material. Um, but it just took a long time. I was working on a lot of, excuse me, other stuff in between it. And, um, I actually lost some some files like I lost some sessions mm. like my own stems and stuff like that and um basically that album was going to come out on backwoods like that was the album that maybe was going to be my debut on backwoods was this particular album but it started to get a little longer and have a bunch of different features and then I had this other thing so we switched it up and that's why actually the the Billy Woods track on my when you're outside album with backwoods was actually pulled from all the way feathers don't have that's a buddy ross sample beat as well i see um, so that was a long way of saying i had several more beats i had made out of this source material this sample material mm -hmm. but without wanting to track down more features and and mix songs with features i kind of just split it up and put an instrumental in between each feature track that i already had and then it made a full length ep out of that instead of just one you know an ep or full length lp out of that instead of an ep length with just features you know just like yeah, I love that. Thanks for that behind-the-scenes look. As a producer, I've heard you acknowledge in other interviews you don't have a specific sound that you're necessarily aiming for. And I think that comes through. You know, if I listen to your catalog, the production varies from one song or project to the next. But it has made me wonder, like, is there, like, a guiding principle when it comes to making a beat 
or is it just about like what strikes you, what's ins what inspires you in the moment? It's funny, like there's this one plugin that I use that's just very simple and it doesn't do much. It just like adds distortion to stuff. And I've talked to people about this because I don't really have like a sound like necessarily, but I do have what people have other people have described. And I felt like I've found myself describing it as well as like a texture. Mm. So I have a certain texture that's like on a lot of my beats, but it's they're not all like crazy industrial loud. You know, there are some that are softer and weirder and more electronic too, but they all do have this one distortion setting on maybe almost all the <laughs> all the tracks that I make. I'll turn up this little distortion thing. So I feel like there's a through line there. But uh yeah, I don't I don't have a specific through line in most of my stuff. It's really just like whatever I listen to that day, I, mm. I sit down and try to like copy, make something that that I thought was awesome that someone else made. And I try to like remake that. It never comes out the same, but it's always like a jumping off point. So you're talking about like other beats that you've heard or just, yeah, just like, no, just music. Just like, yeah. Music. Anything. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 Naturally then that's what leads to this sort of varied sound. You're pulling from a bunch of different. Yeah. I listen to so much random stuff that I'm just like, Oh, that I'm going to try to make something that sounds like that later. Right. When I think about collaboration projects, like all the weight feathers don't have and, and producers, you know, sort of getting this roster together of MCs, I think of them as directors. I mean, even when the project is really collaborative, and maybe that's because I think of a beat and production in general as the foundation. So for me, that's what guides the direction of a song. With with all that said, I'm wondering if you ever find yourself occupying this role when you're working with artists, or is there this urge to guide folks in a particular direction to ensure a project turns out to be what you ex envisioned it to be? Um, I weirdly... I weirdly don't necessarily know if I have that as as much as a lot of other producers, and I, and I and I I kind of only know this because of the feedback that I get from the artists that I work with. Is I don't uh, I don't ask for different takes or different direction, and and honestly, that's not even necessarily a positive thing. It's maybe something I could learn to do, and maybe maybe it could lead. But um, so I just let the I just kind of let that 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 particular project kind of formed itself anyway because it was all pulled from the same sample source material so the direction i the direction that i was given to the artist was like laid out for me it kind of wrote itself i was like hey i'm making this beat tape that's from all these this guy's samples there's already a precursor to it what i'm going to do is put a bunch of people on it so just give me something like fly like it doesn't have to uh be concept song it doesn't have to fit into the concept of the record it's just the fact that the record just is going to exist as like a cool rap record um so it made it kind of easy you know especially because because honestly when 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 I reach out to artists or when I talk to artists that come through to record features, if someone is hitting them up for a feature, they like to be given direction. They don't want to have to put the effort in to come up with a concept or, 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 or this and that. It's like, if you wanted me to do a feature, tell me what to do, be a director, give me my marks. Where should I hit? You know, like things like that. But I, I do tend to take a more of a backseat in that stuff. Uh, until it becomes like very obvious that me and one artist are making a full project together, mm. you know, then maybe I'll take a little more direct stance and in, in, in things, but all the way it kind of wrote itself before I even started getting the features. Cause it was an easy concept to pitch. Speaking of um, projects that you produce in full for a single artist, you and Alaska just put out the structural dynamics of flow. Great project. Really enjoyed that recently. I heard you guys talking about it on call out culture uh, you mentioned in that interview regarding beat packs that it sounds like they're usually just sort of random selections that you're 
you're just pulling from a bunch of different places yeah i i have to i can't um and i and i've you know i've been doing it a while now and i felt like this is what has led to success so i'm just sticking to it i make so many beats i'll make the way i make beats is i'll i'll even go for a week or two without making a beat and then i'll sit down one night and make like 15 beats and if i wake up the next day and five are dope or seven are dope or three are dope well that's fantastic that's five great beats that i'm gonna save and the rest are garbage i'll throw them away or maybe revisit them later or whatever but i make a lot at once so i end up with these packs and i have to avoid trying to think oh let me when i'm listening to which ones to send to someone i just listen to ones that i think are dope at on that moment like i'm like oh this is great i'm putting it in this folder i can't i force myself to not go i think a would sound good over this okay so what happens is after the first pack goes out two or three are selected from that pack well then i'm gonna start to have that bias i'm gonna be like oh they picked these two or three when i'm combing through to send the next pack if i'm combing through 50 beats to send 10 more i am probably going to make a slightly conscious slightly subconscious connection to a certain sound and then that's going to be a back and forth between me and the artist but on the first pack when i'm just starting to work and and meeting someone new or a new project or something i'm sending random i'm sending five different styles yeah that was going to be my question like whether you think about uh you know using this this project with alaska as an example when you're thinking about or when you thought about sending beats to Alaska, it doesn't sound like you were thinking like Alaska would sound dope on this. It's just like, not at first. So how come, like what keeps you from, what makes you want to stop yourself from doing that? Because I felt in the past, like it just never, it, I, I try, I've tried it both ways and I've, I feel like I've always had success. And also so many times I'm in the, in the studio, like I'm lucky enough to have a spot to record like in Brooklyn and stuff. And so many times I'll, play beats for someone and they'll be like why didn't you send me that and i'm like i would have never thought to send you that and they're like well that's my favorite shit (laughs) so that just happens so many times and it just it just it just works i have enough beats to just send like especially on that initial pack just send the most random shit and like let it go from there i've just avoided doing that because i feel like i've been wrong too many times and even and been told that i've been wrong too many times like Oh, I picked these five for you, and they're like, "All right,", all right. <laughs> and then I'll play them five random ones, and they'll be like, "These are the best ones I ever heard." And I'm like, "Well, what the? What the fuck? <laughs> like, well, all right, I got to get out of this habit of trying to think I know what you. Sometimes it's super obvious, you know. Yeah. Sometimes I'll make something, and they'll be like, "Oh, I'll, I would bet a million bucks this 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 person would like this," and and I'll, I'll be right. But it's it's not a, you know, it's just not. And again, because the way I make them in packs, I'll the, that first pack, I'll just send a temp pack and just pick at random. It sounded like the project with Alaska came together pretty pretty easily, pretty smoothly. It did, yeah, especially like the first pack went out. He picked a few, came through. We picked more to match that. And then him being able to have that time and space to record pretty quickly as well, which is which was rare for, for him. And, you know, hmm. uh, it just happened, yeah. I was wondering, like in general, when things go smoothly and they go quickly, they're easy. What is it that the artist brings that allows for that to happen? Yeah, I don't know. I guess I guess just uh in a weird kind of a neutral answer is just speed, which could come w- one of many ways. Maybe they had written at home or they can write fast in the studio or you know, if it's just kind of like a lot of projects now, especially these past couple years um for the for for the people who don't live really close and kind of come through and develop and record over the period of time, there have been a few projects where I would just record over a week or a weekend or just like quickly over 
maybe three consecutive weekends, like with with the Alaska thing, maybe a little more spaced out. But if they're just prepared and and have the shit written or can write fast, I can mix fast and we can just make it happen fast. Yeah, it sounds like that's it, right? Preparation yeah. is what makes it possible. Yeah. I'd say beyond the quality of your work, it seems like artists like generally enjoy working with you. Like folks have said as much to us. I've seen folks mention it on Twitter. And I'm wondering what you think you bring to the process of producing or engineering a project that makes artists so comfortable. Well, it's in my home, you know what I mean? So like I'm in this apartment and I have an extra room in here that's like a studio space. So it had to be like, I had to only work with people that I'm comfortable with, like, mm. and that they're comfortable with me. Like, make yourself at home, the kitchen, the, the bathroom, you're in someone's space, like you're hanging out with a friend. Mm. So that vibe and just the, the, I've been here for over 15 years now, that vibe and the amount of people that have come through, I feel like there's just, they've left an energy here that's just palpable. Mm. And so people just feel comfortable. And also it's, um you know, I, 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 struggle with calling my place a music studio because even for myself music studio invokes an image in your head and mostly that's the that's the console that's yeah. the big at least the 16 tracks you know that's that's the image that invokes a console probably a booth with a glass piece or a booth with a glass window i don't really have any of that we have like a booth over here and i have some equipment and stuff like that but i just have like a comfortable space some good equipment and some know-how and it's like being in someone's like living room because it kind of is with some good equipment. So I feel like that adds to that comfort and, and creates a lot of, you know, chill vibes for the artist. And that leads to the smooth projects as well, because a lot of people are working with a producer that doesn't have a studio. So you have to find a studio, then you have to find a mixing engineer, then you have to find a mastering engineer. I kind of just do it all in, in my spot yeah. <laughs> all, all at once. Right. You know? <laughs> I wanted to ask about House of Disorder, which is another project you recently dropped. It's a collection of songs that you have with Nasage from New Kingdom. Shout out to Nasage. We had him on the show and he's great. You two seem to work really well together. It feels like one of those relationships where you can anticipate the other person's needs before they even ask you for anything. So I'm curious if this is because you and Nasage both love a wide range of music genres. We spoke to him when he was on the show and I've heard you talk about the variety of music that you enjoy. And I wondered if you think that helps to put you and Nosage on the same page when you're creating a project together. I think absolutely, especially because like it happened immediately because 
he came and like it's it happened because of the music right like he came and recorded his piece and i was like oh that was crazy didn't really have to say much whatever like zipped it up it was to be shipped out to arm and hammer it was a feature like and when it you know kind of reached a level where when someone comes and records you want to make sure it's real organized get the files back them up send them out like whatever so we wrapped that all up i'm just like that was crazy like he just did that like whatever he was like you should play me a beat and it just happened so fast the first beat was like loud and chaotic he was like can i do something i was like all right he got even louder and more chaotic on my beat and i was just like whoa this is it it it, it happened without us having to talk just him hearing my beat me hearing what he did and then yeah. being like oh we could do this we could do this a million times over like yeah. this is and, and then we just did you know like it was just like i would just go through stuff and he would just select the you know the the most bizarre and, and cool stuff and there's no yeah. there's absolutely no one that sounds like him yeah no not at it's, all there's just not and yeah i'm so excited that that record's finally out and i know he's working on more stuff and yeah yeah that dude is a legend yes. yeah for sure for sure you seem to have this knack for working with artists who bring a certain uniqueness and energy to the table i mean obviously nosage but i'm also thinking about aloe vera chas canary mm. big baby gandhi and other people maybe this isn't necessarily true but I imagine that producing for an artist that has an eccentric sound and direction could be challenging because you want to make sure that you're doing production that honors and fits with their artistry. And I feel like that requires an extra set of skills. I'm wondering if you agree with that. Yeah, I think I do. But I also feel like we're meeting each other where we're at and mm. we know that neither one of us is going to change one another. Like, you know, they're not I, I got my beats and I have so many of them and you can you can ask me to make different types of sounds and I'll try, but it's not necessarily gonna it's might go the totally different direction. I'm gonna and then they bring their weirdness to the table and like if it melds, it melds and it usually does. Like we wouldn't have been magnetized toward, towards each other in the first place, I think. But like I feel like the extra set of skills is me being extra chill about it. Like I don't care like I do still hear from these artists these artists that i work with and mm -hmm. they're not saying this in a negative way they're saying this in a positive way they're, that other producers will like really produce will be like nah not that one yeah. or let's do another take or let's let's change the beat let's do and i don't do shit like that i mm -hmm. um because like i don't know i don't know why it's just i i've never been in a position where i like really felt the need to where i was like we need another take and that could be a good or a bad thing. You know what I mean? It is what it is. I feel like it's pretty neutral. Obviously, I have been putting stuff out that people like, so it's fine. And then these other uh, artists and producers who, the producers who, they also put out stuff that people love. So both methods work. But the weirdness, I feel like, especially weird, weird artists, for lack of a better term, you know what I mean, who are attracted to working with me, I think maybe no, because like I'll back off and let them get, let them mm -hmm. do what they want to do. And then when they're done doing what they want to do, I'll finish it up and make and they'll probably end up liking it so it's about giving them space to just be yeah yeah and being like yo do 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 you like i don't i'm not gonna unless there's like some something wild i'm not i don't really yeah use like that you mm. know i'm there to just service the to make as many songs as we can if any of these beats fit make you want to write then write and then we'll mix it you know like yeah I've heard Willie Green say something similar recently, like the importance okay. of giving artists space. So, yeah, well, Green is the fuck. Green is the man. Yeah, you guys are clearly onto something. 
I get the impression though that like especially when you're doing a full album with someone that's like a highly collaborative process. I wonder though about the when it comes when it gets to like the engineering phase, like how collaborative is is that? Are you mostly doing that on your own and then sending stuff to folks or how involved engineering like mixing mixing yeah yeah um yeah 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 i'll do i'll do several sessions on my own send the files and be like listen to this on as many speaker different speakers as you can hit me with notes they'll hit me with notes i'll go back and again but also during that time they'll come back over we'll sit again to do stuff that's like easier to do in person maybe if we're putting like dialogue samples in or doing drops or something they'll just come by and sit here and We'll just do that in person. Then I'll do some more by myself and send them out. And it's just like a mixture of that, of of me doing a round of mixing, sending it out so they can test it on where they test their music at. And then maybe them come coming by one or two to do an in-person mixing session. But typically those are more for like structure or okay. additives or superlatives and things like that. Gotcha. Okay. I'm going to preface this by saying like, I studied a little bit of mixing and engineering in college. I haven't never done it. I haven't done it since. So I I know basically nothing. But I really try not to shit on songs or albums that I don't like. But if I'm honest, I have a hard time not doing that with stuff that isn't mixed well or that I feel like isn't mixed well. And for me in general, that typically involves like an imbalance between low end and high end. I have a really hard time listening to stuff when the highs are like thin and sharp. Sure. The example that comes to my mind is um once again tribes once again from the love movement like the the snare on that is just so sharp that like it's hard to listen to at high volumes for me yeah sure sibilance yeah on the black thought i mean just do it with uh danger mouse there's a track on there where like the vocals are they're underneath this effect they're kind of buried in the mix it's a little hard to hear it i can't i can't listen to it Sure. There are times, you know, when people are really pushing the low end and it gets really muddy and it kind of overpowers everything else. Everyone's talking about the new JPEG and Danny album. Yes, that might be an yeah. example. Somebody left a compressor vocal intake on that one. This is why I'm asking you this question. Like, <laughs> uh, I know that, you know, folks more and more are like trying to mix their own stuff, even though the examples I just gave are, are people who are probably paying professionals to, to do it. But I wonder, like, is there advice or guidance you would you would offer folks who are trying to develop the skills to to mix their own music? I, I've and I've come into this kind of recently. I even was on a meeting today where I had to bring this up. I have I definitely I feel like this is I'm not this is not unique to me. I have imposter syndrome. I never even went to school for this. I just taught myself. Like I bought a MacBook and then just kept at it. Mm -hmm. And then eventually YouTube came into play and I just consumed as much YouTube tutorials as I could. So what I lean on heavily is the artists is the yeah. artist that I'm working with. I'm like, did you listen? Did you listen loud? Did you listen quiet? Like, you need to tell me. I need to know. Like, I need you to be brutal. Like, <laughs> tell me if you're like, this doesn't sound... Because, like, I, you know, like, I I, I need that feedback bef before it's going to come out. And, 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 yeah. And, like, I... Mixing changes so often. Like, month to month. I'll be, an, I'll be mad at myself because... I'm like, well, this is out and I could have mixed it better and it was only a year old. Like, mm. but it doesn't matter. Like, and then I struggle with the fact that it doesn't matter. I work on a lot of stuff that's like a different genre than not doesn't have my name attached. I'm just like mixing and mastering stuff for people. And uh like really loud, like trap sort of hip hop with like tons of 808 and bass. I'll I'll mix stuff and they'll be like, Yeah, turn it up. And I'll be like, I can't. 
it's so loud it's like distorting and they're like yeah sounds good turn it up and and who am i like that that is what and i listen to music like modern music where i listen on my good speakers and it's distorting but i fucking love it mm. and it's a and it and it is what it is like sometimes these technical things where i'm like the voice is too low and the artist is like i don't care and i'm like well then why do i care <laughs> like why you yeah. know what i mean like right. you know it's i i struggle mixing is 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 the bane of my existence <laughs> let's just say so if 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 my records are coming out mixed well and people are listening to them that like makes me happy because it's mm. very hard yeah especially when there's clear examples to point out and be like you see here how bad this is right like <laughs> yeah i remember spending hours in college like in the studio trying to get things to sound just right and at times being like is anyone ever gonna care about this like does this matter to anyone but these five people in this room it's hard to tell it's yeah. hard to tell i mean stuff that gets stuff that's really popular you can point out probably terrible mixing things but music isn't again you the person if they feel the song they feel the song yeah you know what i mean mm -hmm. if it if it moves them it moves them like if it's if when they turn it up too loud it pierces their ear but they love the song well then they're going to play it a little lower because they love the song and they don't want to hurt their ear you know like right, right. <laughs> like they'll they'll make exceptions if they love the music for like, sure yeah but yeah it is it is an interesting game like mixing no sadge is really hard because he's so loud and aggressive and mm. some of the beats that maybe I would like to change like how loud some of the beats are. It's like, we can't, that changes the whole feel of the song. Just leave it. Mm. We want people to feel it. Yeah. Like, you know, somebody should like do a study. Maybe people already have when like, like pulling people and like getting them to listen to one song to see if they notice little particulars. Yeah. It's, it's interesting that people, some people notice, some people don't, don't care or they don't yeah. hear it. Yeah, there's too many. There's too many people are too dynamic. Everyone is too different. There's exactly. too many speakers. There's too many headphones. There's too many exactly. different people's ear canals. Like everything is just so different that you just do the best you can. Yeah. 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 And I think I probably only care because I have some little knowledge about the process and you're kind of trained that like colors. Yeah. The way I might listen. Nah, to but it. that's like also widely known, especially that one tribe record, right? Like that it's mixed poorly. Mm. And like, I mean, everyone was talking about consumers are, I mean, when it's drastic, like it, it was shocking how many people were talking about the mix on the Danny Brown JPEG Mafia record. Cause you don't always hear about stuff like that. Right. Yeah. But it was like, kind of, I guess, really obvious to people that his voice was a little low. Right. So everyone was talking about it, you know, mm -hmm. it was, there's a threshold for everything where if it, if it seems like it's, if there's like an overwhelming amount of people being like, I actually don't like this, even <laughs> though maybe that was your intention, I can't enjoy it. I don't think that happened with this record, but maybe it got close to that, you know? Yeah. So you mentioned Call Me When You're Outside earlier, and I'm glad you did because this is another project of yours that I really dig. I love it because I love the sense of community that the album fosters, which seems to be the whole point. And you touched on this a little bit earlier, but it feels like you were trying to capture the magic that has happened over the years in this music space. I don't want to call it a studio that you have in your home in Brooklyn. Um, you worked with so many artists and I imagine that's created space for deep conversations, friendships, and of course, great music. How important has it been to have this space? Do you think your production and other work would be impacted if the studio didn't exist? Studio? I would not have the placements that I have or the connect, like, I think my beats are great, but I, I am ridiculously lucky to have had the, a recording space in the middle of Brooklyn in like a central area and to have had it for a long time. Like mm. it is, it is probably the best thing I have going for me. Mm. Like mm. not even trying to shit on myself. Like it is absurd to be able to have 
in in a Brooklyn apartment, like a, a space, and then just like also at this age, no kids, no mortgage, like just to be able to kind of mm. like keep yeah. it going like that, you know. So yeah, huge, huge to have the space. Have you been impacted by how much Brooklyn has changed over the years? Sure. Yeah. I mean, like, I, I mean, upon a personal level, yeah. But on the music stuff, like, it's just always been a hub. Like, Brooklyn is just yeah. like one of the top hubs. Like, people from out of town come here, stay here. Yeah. Have been for years now just because, like, how long I've been around. And it's just like, I was here before the Barclays Center even went up. Like, I'm, I mm. was... I'm a gentrifier, but I'm now 17 years into gentrifying the place. Like, it's 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 crazy. Like, yeah, how how drastically different it is. Yeah, yeah, I can imagine. Um, and we've definitely heard stories. Um, when we have folks on the show. There, there's a lot of artists on this project, and I'm, but I'm wondering if there's artists that you wish you would have had join you on this, just considering the amount of people you worked with over the years. Oh, I get. Well, you mean somebody who like I've still never worked with? I mean, like. Not necessarily, no, like people that you've worked with that maybe couldn't join you on this. Is there anybody that was sort of left out of the conversation, people that you wish that could have been on this, but for whatever reason weren't? No, definitely not. Because like essentially at the end of the day, when 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 it really started to come together, Woods Woods picked the tracks. So he he executive produced that. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. so he he carved out because I like again, I had pitched that that uh well what turned into all the way feathers don't have. I pitched mm -hmm. that record to him and he was into it. He wanted to do a record with me. And I was going to work on it a little bit more. He had a track on it at first. Track that's on, actually two of the tracks that are on Call Me or Outside have Buddy Ross beats, meaning I sampled from that source material. Mm -hmm. So when that like didn't pan out, he's like, let's do something smaller, tighter. And like he had always wanted a home for that track, Kingston. And uh, so we wanted to do something smaller, tighter. He's like, do a bigger record after that. Um, and then he picked out the tracks and he picked out the shirt track, which already existed as a single that shirt had put out. Um, he formulated the Koreatown Oddity track via the Adult Swim single series. So he was like, I'm going to do this. Like, we can put that on there. He's like, you can produce that. So, yeah, he kind of like executive produced that and put that together. So I to answer your question, no, I, I didn't I didn't miss anybody for sure. Like, it mm. was... I'm glad you explained that because I was wondering when I read that what an executive producer does exactly and what it means his a lot of was. things. But it, yeah. it often means especially like I know Griselda The I don't I'm not a, I'm not a huge listener of Griselda, but I know that the main dude uh, is executive second. producing. Yeah. Is executive yeah. producing all their albums. And what that means is like, they're the one that's going to pick this beat, this track. you have a 10 tracks? Here's four of them. Put this, them on the album, like, and hmm. they'll arrange it and maybe even pick a producer to work with an artist, like things like that, just sort of like make decisions. And some, there can be lighter versions of that. There can be maybe an executive producer who really just helps with arrangement or like, sure. you know, stuff like yeah. that. When, I read the description of Call Me When You're Outside on Bandcamp, um, which is really good, by the way. I don't know who wrote that, but um, okay. Makes so sense. Of course. Makes <laughs> sense. Yep, of course. It affirmed my impression of you as a producer. It feels like, to me, you're the secret weapon with a shit ton of arsenal that just quietly strikes without warning. <laughs> I'm wondering if you prefer it to be this way. Yeah, yeah, I do. I, I want to just like, because uh, I, I kind of, when I was a long time ago like i would release a ton of stuff and always put it out there and like um and i kind of like now over a course of a long period of time i'm like willing to sit and wait on stuff and let it marinate let it finish and then like just kind of like pop up and put it out when it's done done and like mm. things like that and uh 
so yeah yeah i do i do enjoy that i do enjoy being behind the scenes and sort of like letting stuff formulate behind the scenes and then come out like kind of i like secret jobs things like that yeah it sounds like there's a lot of freedom in that yeah it's interesting like uh because i've been dropping a lot of stuff recently and like kind of going back and forth with some of my friends of like well is it too much will one thing step on another and i don't think so but only because of the threshold right like there is a certain threshold where if you get popular enough then you can actually step on yourself but i i don't think me and a lot of my friends some are but some are not quite there yet where we do one thing and then another thing two months later it's not going to hurt one or the yeah. other yeah. Sure. but probably it's probably more apt to help at this level you yeah. know and, th and then that could change if you cross over a certain threshold i think but so yeah i found this article the other day it was from complex i think it was back in 2012 it was sure. an interview that you did with them and i'm glad i found it because i did not realize before reading it how long you've been producing i mean you've really been out here for a while and complex it was and it was about me was it about that big mixtape that i did no it was like I, I think it was complex it was some somebody a writer from i guess from their outfit came that came to your house and oh, they were in shit. your space the guy from pigeons and planes yeah yeah, yeah 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 yeah. that dude got super popular do you do you know that blog pigeons and planes yeah 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 that shit became eventually it got so popular on its own that it became a feeder site for complex so mm -hmm. like complex yeah. was just like give us all the things that you do <laughs> and like <laughs> like kind of usurp them so straight up they call it like a feeder site and then that that yeah that blog, that blog became huge but yeah that was so long ago yeah sure yeah 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 over over a decade ago looking back at that time and then fast forwarding to present does it feel like you're where you imagine yourself to be as a producer huh no i never yeah uh man that's that's really hard to answer i don't know like i'm I'm working with some people and i'm yeah. working in parallel and tangentially with some people that i'm like wow and then the people that i am working with are hitting levels that i'm like wow so it's almost like yeah. i want to say no you know like it, it feels like really crazy to have to have come that far but it's also interesting because part of the reason why i got any popularity that that kind of like sustained was because back then i ended up working with some popular artists back then Mm -hmm. so it was like you know that was interesting too like that was like the das racist i don't know if you guys remember das racist mm -hmm. yes uh yes those guys were huge in that in that yeah, yeah, yeah. period mm -hmm. and uh i kind of helped that helped me as a, as a catalyst and and uh yeah i didn't i didn't i didn't i didn't see myself you know some of the stuff that's going on now some of the behind the scenes stuff and stuff that's already come out like engineering an alchemist record that was crazy like we were yeah. haram here and so i recorded that and like yeah, stuff like that. Yeah. Mm. So in the same interview, you said that Danny Brown was the artist you wanted to work with the most. So so. Oh man, came <laughs> by. He was here. He was here. I don't know. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's on. So it came out right. Maps, maps. tracklist. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, the tracklist came out uh -huh, right. Uh -huh. So yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. So he 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 came here. He came here to record that. That was that was a funny night, man. He came real late. Um. <laughs> And, and woods was here so uh i i didn't i didn't work directly on any music i didn't produce anything or whatever but you know he came engineered his vocals and yeah recorded that here so that was that's fun. dope yeah, yeah yeah sure yeah but one day though one day I, i'll have to i'll have to tell woods like i'm, I'm sure i've said it before i'm like yo you got to tell danny i got beats for him <laughs> yeah. do you ever fantasize about working with a particular artist and then actually produce music for them as if you were really working together I'm trying to think of what you mean, like not just sending beats or, or to, 
no 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 so like let's just say we're talking about danny brown still right and you're like man i really want to work with danny brown so you're like thinking about that and you put together a beat as if you really were working with him kind of inspired by the by the dream of working with a particular artist and then you make a beat that's that you have nah. them in mind for do you know what i'm saying no only because i can't like make beats that way because like i just make a beats a certain type of way like sure sure um, but when they're done, sometimes I'm like, oh, this would be great. For, like uh, I was I, saying before, yeah. I try to avoid doing it. I always do. You, <laughs> I, I naturally, <laughs> like, oh, this would be phenomenal for A, B, and C. Big yeah. Staples is the number one, though. Oh, wow. Mm, okay. Okay. That would be so, dope. Uh, that dude is. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I guys are fans, but I think he's one of the great. I am. Yeah. Yeah. I could hear one this, day. the stuff that, you, that you've got on this Alaska record. I feel like Vince. That's Staples what I'm saying. I have that weird. I can, I can, I have beats for Vince Staples. Yeah. I'm confident about that. Even All right. Though, well, I'm confident I, about that. I hope Vince Staples hears this one day. <laughs> Me too. Competition <laughs> stiff. Listen. <laughs> yeah. Got, let's he go. Knows some, he knows some people. Yeah. Let's go. Okay. Are we ready to talk King of Hearts? I have never heard it. I have never heard it. And I I sent Rob a message pretty quickly and was just like, this album is fucking great. It is so good. Okay. And I, I got to be really honest. And I might have said this before. So I have gotten a lot of education on Def Jooks, right? So like that's not a label that I was really following when I was younger, um, when it was in existence. Um, I didn't know a lot about it. And I feel like people have picked projects from that outfit being on our show. And I've just learned so much. And yeah. and there's a lot of great music to come out of Def Jux. And this is certainly one of those projects. A lot of big, big Def Jux fans would disagree with you vehemently. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I that's interesting. I guess we'll get into this, but it's a polarizing um, album. Sure. I oh, it's so it's yeah. so good. Well, so tell us why you picked it. It sounds like nothing else, and it sounds like if it came out forty five years from now, it would still sound new. Mm. And it 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 because it it makes no sense that the genres are all over the place mm -hmm. i mean some of this is born out of a negative thing he passed away right, right. Yeah, yeah so yeah, some yeah. of this is actually but it doesn't matter that he was making this music and in the music you hear like him being on to shit that no even in deaf jokes no one else was on going in this direction or doing these weird things yeah and I, I, I haven't like I haven't read a ton about the history. I know LP. I think he, he's the one that put it together and made sure it got finished and came out. Yeah. Um, but just the way he sings and makes these punk songs and these weird R&B songs and he just he'll sing his ass off and not give yeah. a shit if it's in tune or not. And like 
and then he raps some verses on some tracks. It's got one of the best beats I've ever heard in my life in the middle of the album. Uh, the uh, track, is it, what's it called? The Moment. The Moment. That's the one. It's one of the hardest fucking beats you'll ever hear in your life, yeah. ever. And it's one of the only beats on the whole album that sounds like that, because a lot of them are like very weird pop punk post. Dude, it's so it's so weird. I, I, I love this album deeply. Yeah. yeah yeah i'm so again i'm so glad and so you, you must have so and so you weren't super familiar with kimu as a rapper either like the early stuff no, no. were you were you um uh, same sort of like vaguely um only the yeah the more popular dudes like cage and stuff and yeah like, uh yeah. sa smash uh, i i knew yeah. a little bit um and when i put it on this week when i put on king of hearts this week it had been so long since i heard it like i kind of forgot what it sounded like and yeah. i actually like initially was like I think I was using Apple Music or something. I was like, did they get the files mixed up? Like, is this Dude, what? Nope, nope. This is what it sounds like? <laughs> Some of the songs are unfinished. Some of them sound unfinished, like just a loop of a beat for a while. Like, yeah. it's it blows my mind. I had the same thought. Like, I, I kind of panicked, and I was like, am I listening to the wrong fucking album? <laughs> but, but I knew I wasn't. I was like, no, 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 this is it. But I didn't expect it to be like this at all. Like, nope. not at all. Yeah, it's a mind fuck. Dove, were you listening to this like when it came out? Like, you, did you yeah. hear it when it was new? Yeah. So, what was your reaction like? Like, was this what you were expecting? I imagine it wasn't. Absolutely not. Uh, but you know, within the group of people that I both worked with who worked on music, and then the group of people who was just a fan of all this underground music and stuff like that, half of them hated it because they wanted just rap, mm -hmm. and the other half were like, "This is cool." Me as like a producer and listening to. 100 genres of music constantly like being a music obsessive at that point i was like this is insane and i and i loved it right away and always have it's like a desert island album for me mm. it's one of those albums where i've seen the cover a lot like i heard the story from lp but i just never listened to it and yeah it's fucking great i i think I could be wrong about this, but I think if this came out now, it would be a really popular album. Oh, it would do way better now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Way better, especially with the way rap and hip hop is opened yeah. up to like weirder shit and, and sure. stuff like that. Um, but it would still have its detractors because Oh, for sure. I mean, there's some stuff on there that pushes up pushes pushes close to like being silly. You know, yeah. like yeah. <laughs> you know, like and he was he and if you go back and listen to his older stuff, it doesn't some of the lyrics don't really hold up that well in today's day and age. But he was a very talented rapper. He's he's, mm. he's a legend. This yeah. album was to his fans. It, it split them down the middle, but they they still rocked with him. They're fans forever. But this particular album, only half of them liked it. <laughs> yeah. As a producer, I imagine knowing the story behind it, you know, like might impact this. But as a producer yourself. Are there tracks on this album that sound more complete from a production standpoint? Do you, do you feel like yeah. you can hear that? For sure. Yeah, for sure. Like, I mean, the single plot, um, plot a little, the yeah. single that, that it's got a hook, it's got progression. The moment sounds pretty full. Bonnie mm -hmm. Valentine does not sound full. You know what I mean? Like some of them are real short. What's the one? Some of them. There's one like, yeah, um, bird flu, I think is the second track where it's, it's yeah. clear. Like there were supposed to be vocals. <laughs> Yeah, placed the in there that aren't keep there. Going. Yeah, but it's just like a dance track. It's so oh, I fucking love that song. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I'm 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 listening to it now, and like, yeah, there's some dark shit on here. It, it's fucking crazy. I was looking at. I'm on Bandcamp, and there's like vinyl left, and I'm like. <laughs> This oh, is great. Oh, I, that's great. Yeah, I was like, I feel like I'm gonna scoop this. Maybe that's because people are are torn about it. But 
is Camu somebody that you could picture yourself working with? I, 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 as soon as I heard this, I was like, I know I don't pick this. Like I got, I was like, I get it. I'm wondering if you ever, like, if he was somebody that was sort of on your radar. I don't know when you oh, started well, like, producing, but yeah. I mean, I started producing when those guys were the the dudes. So okay. like he would have to still be alive and like also still be active and like, yeah, sound wise, I'm sure we could, but he might be so famous by now. Who knows? Like he yeah. was a legend to me then. So like he's yeah, uh, but yeah, Def Jux was like the it label when I first started, you know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. For sure. Um, and this was towards the end of Def Jux. This was one of their last projects. Right. Yeah. mentioned like the dark moments on the album lyrically i find it to be much more emotional at times than like the delivery or the mood of the music sort of initially reveals i'm wondering like from an emotional perspective are there aspects of this album that you might feel more than others no i guess not i don't know i guess i don't really uh tap into this album in like that way where the the lyrics aren't necessarily i don't find too many songs on this album that resonate with me on a personable relatable level mm, okay so I, I i haven't you know there's other music that does that this sure. this has always just kind of struck me as like me as an outsider kind of like wow this person is so creative and mm. listen to all this like these these crazy lyrics and, and this stuff and the way these beats sound yeah so so yeah i uh, yeah, uh, the answer to your question is almost a no, which feels bad to say no, but like explaining it. <laughs> but I it's the truth. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm just in awe of this as like a, a piece of art by yeah. someone who is, you know, on on the on track to just continue making pieces of art, and then unfortunately, you know, passed. Yeah, yeah. I found myself like you know rocking with it, and then the second time through this week, got to the track "Death," yeah, and then started thinking about the fact that like he's making this music like while he's He's he was dying, sick, yeah. you know, and yeah. I was like, oh, damn, this is like this is heavy stuff, um, mm -hmm. which, you know, you might not pick up on if you're just sort of bopping so along. There's there's this track from around the same era that's not on this album. It was on a Def Chips compilation called Oxycontin by LP and Kamutau because they had a group called Central Services, mm -hmm. which is from that movie Brazil. But look it up on YouTube um, and it's it's as good, if not maybe better than everything on this album it kind of they kind of go hand in hand for me it's just this single that i think is just this unbelievable performance of a song by kamutao mm. called oxycon from an, mm. uh, from a deaf jokes col uh, collection called collecting the kid too or something like that mm. it's on youtube it's beautiful you gotta hear it can you both confirm i, I thought i read that he produced all of these tracks, but I, with his death, I know that there was still some loose ends to tie up. Is that true? 
Yes, yeah, he okay. was the producer, and and LP I think finished them with whatever that means. I'm sure all of them probably were in various states, but some of them were clearly like done. Like the single was done, fought a little, and stuff like that. So yeah, it's it's hard, you know. I don't I don't know. I I don't know how much information is out there, but I think the general story is that he produced it and LP wrapped it up upon. Do you think the production on this influenced you in any way? Hundred percent. Yeah, when it mm. came out, I was listening to it obsessively. Mm. <laughs> you know it just it just slotted in for whatever other albums around that time were like yeah you know to me it's yeah. like a, whatever year donuts came out that was another thing that like i mean this is obvious of any producer you talk to but like literally just sitting down and being like the drums go like this and me going over to my thing and being like how do i get mine to go and just like trying you know he was brand new to production at that time you know yeah yeah he was 30 when he died no camille so fucking young yeah rob you said before i think to me that you think that him passing away had something to do with deaf jokes being i mean i think i think that's just speculation on my part but yeah it just i get the sense 31 okay 31 okay yeah i get the sense that his death really fucked up lp and oh yeah for sure i've i've heard him talk about it yeah you know and and Aesop, who was like the flagship art, one of the flagship artists, was the closest with Camus. Yeah. yeah. So I fucked that up. You know, like it's just, yeah, a culmination. He was, that was, you know, there were other things too, because I think LP talked about it on but what, what, what happened was yeah. the overarching story of why it, why it closed down. But like, yeah, definitely a big part of it, probably. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't remember him in that interview talking about the impact of uh, Camus' death, but I just imagine like, you know, if it, the business is struggling and, yeah. You know, the industry's trending in a way that doesn't really make sense for the for the label that the grief that he might have felt like just was the the last layer so to speak yeah. yeah there's an interview that lp does with microphone check and he gets a lot into like this period of like deaf jokes folding and i have to go back and listen to that because i think maybe he talks about it then but i've definitely heard him say it just how impacted he was by Camus passing away mm-hmm. yeah he hadn't even really blown up yet like some of the other people had blown up they were still gonna they were getting ready to make that happen you know as the label was going up you know asap had become very very big lp had become very or, you know especially canox and stuff like that yeah mm-hmm. kate yeah. was obviously very big yeah you were talking about influence a minute ago and um i read some stuff on wikipedia today so who knows how true it is but it mentioned kid cuddy like talking publicly about this album and um just describing it as like ahead of its time and i started thinking about kid cuddy's music and similar vein for yeah it, it made me think like oh i wonder how how much king of hearts may have influenced him uh, from your perspective just as a fan of music like do you think king of hearts like was something that may have influenced like people's sounds or their approach after it was released I don't know, man. Not 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 any further than maybe a Kid Cudi mm-hmm. that I would know of. Um, I, I don't know. I don't know. Mm. I'm surprised to hear that. That's awesome that I never heard that Kid Cudi mention King of Hearts. That's fucking crazy. The entry on Wikipedia made it sound like he actually heard it before it was released That's somehow. Um, That's crazy. And, and was really into it. I will... Uh, this I feel like this is maybe some really nerdy shit, but yesterday... I'm listening to King of Hearts, and um, and I don't, I don't even know if we'll use this in the podcast, but I'm listening to King of Hearts. They're 
parts of it that made me think of TV on the radio. I don't know if you're familiar with that band. Oh, yeah. Oh, I come obsessed oh, yeah. with TV on the radio. Uh, oh, yeah. One of the greatest bands of all time. Really incredible band. All, um, all time, yeah. And so I started listening to uh, Desperate Youth, and I'm like, ah, this... And, and, and then I That's started... That's a good th- comparison. That's a good comparison, yeah. Yeah, and then I started thinking about Animal Collective. Okay. And some of the vocals that they were recording around that time. And then I started looking up dates, okay? So... Uh, Animal Collective with 2007, Strawberry Jam was the album that came to my mind. Yeah, okay. Uh, 2007, Desperate Youth was 2008, and then you get King of Hearts 2009, 2010, Kid Cudi 2009, Man on the Moon. Yep. So I'm drawing all these lines. I have no idea if any of them are actually connected, but in my mind, I'm like, there's a sonic relationship to some of these records coming out. I feel like Camus was more likely maybe to be inspired by that music yeah. than what he, mm. what he was working on. Because again, not no slight, he wasn't famous, right? Right. Uh, and then, but he was just because he melded all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, his stuff. This this particular album melds all those styles, and then adds weird rap to it too. You know, like yeah, yeah. That's that's the TV on the radio connection is pretty strong actually, especially that early stuff. Right. Yeah, that's what I was imagining that he may have been listening to TV on the radio or something like yeah, Animal yeah. Collective and it, it got in there. Yeah, I don't I, I I fuck with that. Dub, is that one of the reasons you like this because of all the genres represented? Yeah, I guess, yeah, I'm sure that's part it's got to be part of it. Yeah, I just remember it coming out me getting the CD cuz I would have put out like anything Def Jux was putting out I was going to check out. Yeah. And like just falling in love with it immediately. It was so it was so bizarre. Yeah. And, you know, the story was sad. You know, it wasn't it wasn't a they didn't lean into the story, right? So it wasn't like they didn't use the story as to push. Yeah. You know, but it, it was sad. But either way, the, the record was just incredible. So he has one other project. How many other projects does he have out? Because he has a project with Cage, right? Yeah. Nighthawk uh, Night stuff. Yeah. That was, that, yeah, was yeah. More, that was way more popular than this. Um, I don't know. I'm not even super great of his. Uh, the Wikipedia has a bunch of stuff here. The Blair Crosby stuff. Or Blair Blair Cosby stuff. That stuff is some of it's good. A lot of it doesn't hold up. Uh, Nighthawks is good, you know. Relatively, take take it with a grain of salt. And the megahertz stuff that uh, <clears throat> with uh, the Weatherman mm-hmm. and the essay smash. Wait, was essay smash? Yeah, yeah. Just kind of like an uh, not totally unspoken, but like an unspoken legend a lot of the time. Yeah, mm. for sure. Yeah. There are diehards. The diehards are like the Blair Cosby series. Like, that's their shit. Okay. And then they don't really, not a lot of them fuck with King of Hearts. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm excited to release this episode because I'm I'm very curious, like, how folks are going to respond yeah. to it. Yeah. Maybe maybe I'm wrong. Maybe maybe people will prove me wrong. People will sound off that, that, that they're fans. But I, I, I remember. And I still know some people that don't fuck with it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sort of hoping that people like younger people of this generation find it me too mm-hmm. it's incredible it's dancey there's like dance tracks on it there's it's have you guys heard that that um little uzi vert album that he put out it was him right earlier this year he put out an album that was like not rap at all it was like yeah, it was like a prog rock album recorded with a bunch of indie artists and yeah patrick yeah all the uh those dudes are connected through MGMT and stuff like that. Yeah, exactly. That feels like a similar, a similar sort of turn, you know. Yeah. Um. So I think kids today, so to speak, would definitely <laughs> would definitely rock with this. Yeah, it feels it feels like um 
there's more room and acceptance for experimental shit totally. like this. Yeah. There is, there is for sure. And this record, I mean, in my opinion, it's modern by any day standard and will continue to be for several years just mm. because of how bizarre it really sounds. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Sonically and lyrically and performance wise. Like, it's really incredible. Do you have any final thoughts on King of Hearts? No, no. I just hope, I hope more people listen to it. I hope, I kind of hope maybe some people who like listened to it back then and were like, haven't listened to it since because they remember how much not liking it. At least one person goes back and it's like, oh, this sounds crazy now. Yeah. But we'll yeah. see. There's some weird shit on there. The 33 I hope so. second song called Acting an Ass. <laughs> like, it's, you know, it gets crazy. <laughs> There's some brilliant moments that's undeniable. You can find at least one brilliant moment if you listen to the record. Yeah, I would agree. I'm so glad you picked this. I'm I'm glad I got to hear it. Um, I don't know that I would have listened to it outside of this, so I appreciate cool. it. Is there anything before we go? Um, this has been a lovely conversation. We really appreciate you coming on. Yeah, um, my pleasure. Is there anything that you want folks to know about upcoming projects or anything else you're working on? Um, yeah, I have a, I have another. I'm gonna do one more record on my label, my new label, uh, and then kind of like not do anything on my label for till the end of the year. I'm gonna kind of take a break with that, um, and that's gonna be a record with Andrew, who you guys know. Mm-hmm. He was just yeah. on the show, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. And then. I have something coming with Sharif on Backwoods, which that that cat's been out of the bag for a while. Like like uh, Woods has talked about it certain places, and Sharif has talked about it. So that's going to come this summer. Nice. I'm really excited about that. I think that's going to be yeah cool. Um, and then yeah, other stuff is like you know done that I'll just kind of like drop <laughs> <laughs> whenever you feel like it. Yeah. 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 And then you go quietly into the night. Exactly. Looking forward to all of it. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you so much again for for joining us and for this conversation. It was yeah. it was great. This has been the next movement, folks. Thanks for tuning in. Peace. They say the game is to be sold and it's not to be told. Nope. They also say that fortune favors the bold. And I know it seems cliche, but homie, read some cliche. Drink some reunity, maybe buy something off East Bay. Used to find me in the lower east, rocking the niche. Now I go to surface and I order their ceviche. Gotta take a moment to praise Hercules the DJ. Cause nothing's been more perfect than the purpose of the beat break. Every verse is Percy Miller, think tank, hearse, fill a mercy killer. When it comes to words, well, I'm usurping Dylan. Couldn't be the perfect villain. Erstwhile villain, Ted, my generation's who you wanna be, but you're just filled with dread. Let's shake the square world, blast off to Kicksville. Let's shake the square world, blast off to Kicksville. Let's shake the square world, blast off to Kicksville. Let's shake the square world, blast off to Kicksville. There's a thin line between insanity and genius, a thin layer of ice between.